podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. On today's episode, I have with me here April Henry. She is a singer-songwriter and uh, a vocal makeover coach and she's out in california so welcome april to the show thanks for being Hi. here thank you so much yeah so much tell me about yourself tell me what a, vo- a voice makeover coach is first so i i call myself the voice makeover coach because um people started asking me if i would teach them to sing non-vocalists and i i fell in love with it just working with beginners and this whole idea that and I noticed after about four lessons that they would start to transform something in their life would just, just switch or spark, like whether or not um, I had a couple of actors that would come to me and they would get after within about four lessons, they would have some kind of life shift that would happen and their career would go in a really positive direction. And, and I would notice because there's something when you start singing and you start vibing and you start um, appropriately vibrating your whole body brain um and sing it just affects your whole life and so i just you know i used to call myself the vibe coach um but (laughs) i know i'm going with the the voice makeover because it's something that people uh, i think can really understand in terms of we really place a lot of value on what you see um and we we do makeovers all the time we're like yeah i'm gonna go do my hair i'm gonna do my makeup we place a lot of value on that um, but people don't realize how valuable it is to change the way you communicate with the world and what you sound like and your frequency, your vibe. I mean, there is nothing more valuable than that because that's what keeps abundance in your life. That's what attracts abundance in your life. Not only the way you look, but also the vibes you send out. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. What are, um, the types of clients that you work with just out of curiosity? Uh, I work with, I mean, various people. I mean, I have, I've worked with a dentist. I've worked who also plays bass. I've worked with, um, I work with uh, singers, producers. Um, I've worked with, gosh, uh, I've worked with a set designer who works on like some big Hollywood sets out here in LA. Like I, I work with with whoever really wants to learn. I'm, I'm also working with someone out in, in Portland who works in a prison, you know? So like the kind of people I work with are so varied and that's also what I love. I feel like I'm Jacques Cousteau of the human psyche, you know, while I'm working with people, I'm like, okay, how, so what music do you connect with and, and what are you feeling right now? Where are you in your life? And so it's partly being a lifestyle coach And it's partly being a joy coach because you're helping people find what's really going to hook them in to their next step up in life and what they really want to step into. Yeah, nice. So tell me about how you got started in in music and, you know, go way back. Tell me um, about young April Henry and, and, and are you from California originally? No, I'm originally from South Florida. I grew up, um, 
my parents had a horse and they grew up in this like suburb of South Florida where we were like five minutes from a rodeo. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, uh, you know, the, the really far South, you know? Um, (laughs) so it was really cool. And and then, uh, they gave up the horses to have us kids and there was dirt roads and, um, both my parents were singer songwriters, musicians. And so, I came out, I came out screaming. I was the loudest baby in the hospital and I was singing <laughs> at two years old. I learned how to sing harmony at five. I just started doing it naturally. Um, so it was always something I was naturally good at and I loved doing. Um, but I don't think I really even, I was, I didn't know that I was going to be a, I knew I wanted to be a singer, but I, I didn't think of it like a career. I was just thinking of it like I am a singer. It was just everything about me was a singer songwriter, you know. Yeah. And uh, but I was also a kind of a, a freedom fighter too. I've always been a bit about justice, and so my grandfather was an attorney. And one day he says to me, he says, "April, are you are you, you going to be an attorney? Right? You know." Yeah. <laughs> So I'm half Jewish. So I have on the Jewish side, you know, it's like the, the attorneys and the lawyers, but they're also artists too. They're also painters and dentists at the same time. So it's fascinating. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I loved that, you know, I said, yes, Pappy, I'll be, uh, I'll be a singing attorney. And <laughs> I think that was pretty much my, all my life. That's what I've been doing is, you know, I go between bringing joy and also, being kind of a freedom fighter and fighting for justice um, in my music. There's always a little bit of that, that I bring emotional value to. So, yeah. Nice. So, so what took you, where did you go from Florida? Oh yeah. So uh, Florida to New York, then from New York to Chicago, then Chicago, I traveled across country for like a year and a half and then landed in Los Angeles. And uh, then I was traveling for, uh, and on tour for about three years, um, across the country, a couple places, um, you know, uh, outside of the U S as well, but mostly U S tours, um, for three years. And it was really cool. Uh, so I just decided, okay, well, I'm, I need a break from all of that and took, it took a, a brief, uh, break. And then the COVID thing happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what was, what were you doing in each of those places? What was New York for? Uh, so New York, wow, just, I, um, I needed to get out of Florida. I, uh, my grandmother had passed away. I was already thinking about moving to um, Los Angeles and my friend had moved to LA and she invited me to go with her. And I wanted to go to LA originally. And then uh, my grandmother had a stroke and so I wasn't going to leave when she had just had a stroke. So a year later, um, when she had, you know, passed after the stroke, um, the same friend had moved to New York and she said, Hey, you want to join me in New York? And so, um, her dad was a trucker and said, um, you know, he would move all my stuff from Florida to New York. And I said, well, that's a free ride. Okay. That sounds fun. <laughs> Let's go to New York. Yeah. So she found us a place and I just kind of hopped into New York and, um, I started working, doing some off Broadway and, um, then also working in branding and marketing and doing music a little bit here and there on the side. And, um, yeah, just hustling, surviving, doing all that. And, uh, and then at one point I started entering my song into competitions after mm-hmm. I met um, this amazing man in my life. And he, he said, I want to, you know, kind of 
become your patron. And, uh, (laughs) and so he, he was, you know, helping me with the technical things of learning how to, you know, um, produce my music, learning me how to, you know, do all of these things that I needed to learn how to do that. I was, I always had learning disabilities growing up. So it was really, really hard for me to learn how to do all this stuff. And, um, he just really took me under his wing and taught me whatever he wasn't even a musician or in music, but, uh, really wanted to help me and saw what the vision of what I wanted to do. So, um, it just changed my life, changed my life and love changed my life and music. I'm so blessed, you know, to have had him. What was it like working in the off-Broadway circuit? You know, I, I, to be honest, I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I love, I love musicals. Um, I don't like the monotony and I didn't really like the people that I um, would end up where, I mean, some of the people were amazing, don't get me wrong, but then the, the, the shows, a couple of the shows that I did were, you know, I loved the people, but then there were other crowds of people that I just didn't gel with. I, I was on to a different vibe. I was on a different path and I, it didn't fit. Um, so yeah. Uh, but I, I love musicals to this day and I still, yeah. <laughs> love yeah, it. yeah. And, and then I think you said the next step was Chicago. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So there was a, a job offer that came, um, for my life partner at the time. Um, and he, he said, okay, well, I'm going, should we go to Chicago? And I said, yeah, why not? Because I was kind of done with New York. I, I love New York and I loved all of our friends. I loved the support and I had worked, um, I had done some gigs at, you know, city, city winery and, you know, like Arlene's groceries and a lot of places there that I, I loved. Um, but the gigging scene was kind of mostly, not not really going anywhere as I saw it. I was winning lots of songwriting competitions and and doing the whole thing. Um, but I thought, you know, I could do this from anywhere. I don't need to do this in New York. So went to Chicago, um, started working with this uber talented dance music producer, Trentino, who um, we started creating some tracks. We put some stuff on iHeartRadio, um, started getting it out there, doing the thing. And it, it was really cool. It was so much fun. Um, and then I kind of just wanted to be on tour. And so I traveled across the whole country for a year and a half, just meeting people and collaborating with people and, um, writing with people. And, uh, we could work from the road with the kind of work that Nadge was doing. So it was just, it was stressful because we were literally living out of our car and going from hotel Airbnbs. Um, but it was, I wouldn't take it back. It was so much fun, you know? How long were you touring again? Um, so that was for the year and a half between living, um, after Chicago, between moving to LA. And then I was in LA doing some acting stuff for about a year when I first came there and started doing some commercials as well, uh, writing some scripts with some friends and that was cool too. And then, um, I, I got back to doing music again and then got booked on a tour um, where I was doing an acoustic duo, um, a hard rock cafe tour a few times. And that was super fun. I got to go to Vancouver. I got to go to, um, God, like I, everywhere. I was in Dallas. I was in, I mean, all up the East and West coasts. Um, it's such a, a beautiful country we live in. Yeah. So to, 
to actually travel it and have time in between the gigs was really great too. We had sponsors, so that made it so we actually made a profit at the end, um, not just getting paid for gigs because that doesn't really do it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You need sponsors. (laughs) Did you find the sponsors or were those found for you through uh, the hard rock? Um, you know, not through hard rock. No. Um, you, yeah, you've always got to do your own hustle, but the hard rock is really cool. Cause they were, you know, they were obviously paying us to, to play gigs. And so we would do, you know, some covers, some originals kind of sprinkle it all in there and we would sell our CDs. We could, you know, but in through a really cool vibe and, you know, just really nice people all over, you know, from like Alaska to just wherever it was great meeting different people, but they're all, all, you know, hard rock cafe. So they all come there with some kind of love for music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and what was, I mean, where was the point where you started learning about the music business really? I mean, you grew up around it. So, so, I mean, you were very lucky to have parents who knew it for sure. Um, where, I mean, where did you start picking up all of that, that knowledge? You seem to always um, be working with someone and be working with people, uh, touring with people. So, um, how did you know what to do? Oh, I don't, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, I think part of, (laughs) I think part of the journey for me has been a bit of foppery. Um, (laughs) that's the best word I can come up with for it. Um, I think uh, there's part of it. I, I used to be very strategic and I would, you know, lock into what people would say. And then I'd realize at a certain point that doesn't really vibe with me, you know? And so I think for me as a woman, really uh, the biggest lesson as a woman I realized is that if it doesn't vibe, then I really have to reevaluate why. And I have to find something that I can dig into because my work ethic is very, very strong. I have a very, very strong sense of discipline, but the burnout factor is not worth it for me because I've experienced burnout so many different times in all of my lives of you know, my career that I need to find the joy in whatever it is that I'm doing. So a part of that has had to be letting go of certain things that, you know, I, I know I, I need to complete this. And I still, I, I struggle with that sometimes because part of me, I would complete things and I would do what I set out to do. And then it wouldn't feel right. It, it just, something about it wasn't fulfilling. So there's this back and forth. Sometimes I, I of listening, really listening to myself and listening to the situation and, I've gone headlong and headstrong into so many things like, yeah, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see. And then I, and I did it and I'm still glad I did it. There's a part of me that's grateful, but then there's another part of me that kind of is like, yeah, maybe if I should have said no to that, <laughs> you know? Right, right. But you learn, that's how you learn, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you, did you end up going to school for music? Uh, so I went to school for um, theater where I also did learn music I, okay. I learned acting, singing, uh, dancing, um, all of it. Awesome. Where was that at? That was at New World School of the Arts. And it's a, con- a conservatory there, both a high school and a college. Cool. Yeah. Is that, wh- where is that located? That's in Miami, Florida. Okay. Nice. Yes. They call it the Juilliard of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I always say, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it really is a great school and there's, it's a very unique program and it really is great for teaching um, freedom. And um, I do think that all schools need to be better about the business side of things though, to be real. Um, I, and I, and I think this is kind of my criticism about most colleges in general. I think there's a vocational aspect to any career that they that that colleges need to step up and really prepare you in terms of mentorship, um, and they they did in some respects. I mean, I got I I wrote um, a one person show that I performed in school, and they invited producers to it, and I my one person show was chosen and got produced, and I you know won community awards for best actress and. And a lot, a lot of these things and, and best writing and all these things that came right out of school, which was really cool. And that vocational aspect was really respected, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, it's if you want to be a theater actor, you know, there's another aspect. If you want to be a film actor, that you need to learn the vocation of that. And theater schools don't prepare you for that. So I don't know. That's yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree completely with that, you know, having studied music as well, it's it's probably similar, you know, um, you're taught all all things creative, right? Like all things that you need to perform well, um, and all the theory behind it, and all, all of the history and everything. Mm -hmm. But um, when it comes down to it, like when they let you loose after graduation, now what? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do with that? <laughs> Yeah, it's like you, you wouldn't do that to a wild animal, you know, people like rehabilitate them and then they, <laughs> and that, yeah. that's another thing actually, I really think is important too, because a lot of artists come to the arts too, because they're slightly traumatized and have needs to express themselves. And I think that's another thing that in college, I think there should be therapy that is offered for artists um, that is, and also business classes. Like I think just business in general, how to manage your finances and like those should be necessary. Like just as much as psychology, you should be, you know, get a counselor um, and have time with a counselor. That's a healthy situation. And it also helps you deal with life. Like those are the the things I think we really need in schools in addition, you know? Yeah, definitely. Very, very true. Yeah. What have been some of the biggest challenges for you going through your work and your career? Well, the biggest, my challenges are mindset. Um, always. <laughs> yeah. Um, but once, you know, and I think just being adaptive uh, to the current environment. I have certain hesitations sometimes about diving right in because, uh, you know, we as musicians and as artists, we deal with burnout and exhaustion at times. So I think managing stress um, is an incredible challenge that I'm happy to say I have overcome in so many ways, um, especially over the past couple of years. <laughs> that, I think that means a lot. Um, how did you do that? Uh, a lot of personal growth uh, <laughs> and a lot of, a lot of help um, from other human, like supportive human beings in my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I really, I'm just now getting around to getting a therapist, um, which is something I'm almost embarrassed to say, 
because I've, I've had, I've even had like accountability partners and uh, uh, flirted with life coaches, you know, at times throughout my life and had coaches and mentors, but I really do think that that was um, missing, but I was always, you know, doing personal growth programs to kind of therapize myself. And if I didn't have that, I threw out this pandemic and so many other things. Um, I don't think I would have made it. Actually, that's that really helped my financial mindset. Um, doing a program that look that you look at your life in twelve categories, and you you say, okay, what is the level of happiness do I have in all of these twelve categories? And you really do a deep dive on it. And I realized that I had been so career centric um, all my life that all the other things that were missing were out of balance and it was affecting my career. And so that goes back to mindset, organization of your life, living a creative life, as well as, you know, as well as the marketing, as well as, you know, all the, the business side of things, as well as all that, because it's important to have it proportionate because people will people will gravitate to you and want to work with you, higher quality people that have that balanced life. And um, then you feel the courage to reach out to those people because you're in alignment with what they're in alignment with, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's been the biggest challenge is to be more of a well-rounded person who's, you know, peaceful with all the insanity and loving through all of the uh, the anger and frustration and forgiveness that you have to have even for yourself. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it is an insane life that, that we live, right? I mean, yeah, it's how do you, how do you find balance? Like what is a, like, I guess uh, this might be a pre-COVID question, but uh, what what is like a day in the life or a week in the life, you know, for, <laughs> for April Henry, like, you know, even uh, even as you know going back into your touring days like it's it's that's a it's a busy time there's a lot of you know how how do you find balance in a time like yeah. that yeah well there to be honest there there wasn't a whole lot of balance and and the road takes a lot out of your body too um even though i wasn't you know touring even as hard as some people tour i um it took a lot out of me and i ended up um, with some serious physical ailments that I reversed, but I was told they were incurable and irreversible. And so I decided, okay, I'm getting off the road for a bit and I'm going to cure myself. I'm, but it took about six months of depression (laughs) to get past that and to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I found out actually just before the pandemic hit that I had reversed it. And I was healthy again, even though I was <laughs> having a uh, panic attacks almost every day. And then I had to get to work on my anxiety, depression, which I finally have under control. I got my finances under control. I got everything under me, which was definitely due to this personal growth program and really looking at my life and saying, you know what, no matter what is happening, I have to choose peace of mind. I have to choose it and nothing is worth it. I will do the best. All I can do is my best. I am enough. I am, I'm safe. I'm alive. And I had to really focus on this. Um, and then I worked on everything else in my life, but, uh, you know, I even got myself some savings and I didn't think it was going to be possible at that time because my, I lost, I had several income streams. Um, I was also had, um, a marketing, um, 
a graphic design company that I was working with too, um, as a freelance art director and all the business dried up, um, our business dried up. So, you know, there was a lot of shifts and I've always done a lot of different things. Like that's not a problem, but, and I finally had to get my stress managed. Um, so it was almost, it was a wake up call and it forced me and I'm so glad it happened. Um, and I know there's a lot of people out there suffering and I was one of them. So I completely get it. Um, (laughs) but the, that said, if anybody else is suffering out there like this, still the two, the one thing that saved me was if you are going through hell, just remember, you got to keep going. That's the thought mindset. Number, number one, focus on your health first. Do whatever it takes to feed yourself positive thoughts, positive food, um, surround yourself with positive stressless experiences (laughs) Mm -hmm. and really heal yourself because you will, your body will respond like that. And you just got to give yourself rest and sleep and focus on your health. Get a functional medicine doctor. If you can, that's the best thing I think that has ever happened to me. It took the stress off of me doing a ton of research that I've done my whole life on medical research. Um, And it helps you a lot. They're amazing. Number two that I did, I I threw in a number three out of number two, but number three, (laughs) (laughs) I would say um, is, is really number two is finances. Because if you don't have your finances, you can't really, it's a conundrum, but you can't focus on your career. So whatever it takes to get grounded in finances, to um, really look at that and see, okay, what can I do? It's like Maslow's pyramid. You know, you, you have to get past survival to get to the thrival. So, yeah. Love that. I love that. Get past survival to get to the thrival. Okay. That's going to have to be a tagline here. Um, awesome. Um, what if, uh, what is the greatest lesson that you've learned personally along the way? And you kind of, you've touched on a lot already, but yeah, if you could pick one. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm a circular thinker. So I feel as though we've spherically gone through that. However, the greatest thing I learned is that by God, the oxygen mask, it comes down to the oxygen mask. If you are going down, first thing you have to do is you have to look out for yourself, no matter what is going on. Cause I was also a caretaker during all of this stuff. And that was part of the reason why my, my body was breaking down. I had even fallen down the stairs three times. Like there was a lot of stuff going on that I needed to focus on me. And I've been pretty, you know, you, sometimes you go through bouts of life where you're selfish, you go through bouts of life where you're selfless and like everything in between, you know? Um, but I think really balancing, like really focusing on myself to make sure that I am healthy, that I am well, that I am in a good place because then I can be kind to others and I can truly serve others. That that's the, the greatest lesson um, that I have learned in my life and this year, for sure. Oxygen mask. Good. I like that analogy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Really, really great stuff. And then um, what advice would you give to those looking to be musicians right now? So it's interesting because I watch a lot. I do a lot of, um, you know, podcasts, um, a lot of seminars and everybody's, you know, talking about NFT um, and NFT agencies and all of this. And we all know that that's where this stuff is going. So I think I'm in a place, a transitional place myself where I'm just learning about this. I'm learning about crypto. I'm learning about so many things. And I think um, finding a way of creating financial stability that um, doesn't take you away from your art is the most crucial um, thing that I am, you know, very excited about um, <laughs> and allying with people who get your vision because you can find sponsors, you can find patrons, you know, you can do the Patreon thing too. Um, I don't do Patreon, but you know, it's basically like you can do Patreon without doing Patreon if you're averse to Patreon. Um, but I think finding who you're, you're, super fans are is definitely something that and and of course first of all what really moves you because it all stems from the core of who you are uh, people don't as an artist people are buying you um they're they're supporting you they're buying you what or a piece of you they want that piece of you and making sure that that is that that channel is pure as it can be of like what it is that you're selling because sales isn't really sales. It's just ask, asking for compensation for what you're giving really. So what is it that you're putting out and how, how can you monetize it? Like I, I would say, you know, obviously I'm still figuring, figuring that out. Sometimes when I was touring, it was absolutely sponsorships, absolutely getting paid at, at gigs. And I found, you know, that, um, the, the part, my duo partner that I was working with at the time, you know, he, that was his strength, you know? So if it's not your strength, put it in somebody else's hands that it is their strength and find those people and keep, keep searching, keep going through groups and it's easier now than ever because everybody's online. Right. Um, so yeah, just find, um, keep seeking out groups like um, Ari Herstad uh, is really great about sharing all of the cutting edge things that are happening. So I'd say, yeah, definitely look at, check out Ari's uh, tape. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I, I love his book, The the New Music Business. Uh, what, what is it called? Uh, How to Make It in the New Music Business. And yeah, I'm just, I'm a big fan of his. He's just always on top of it. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, Ari Herstand is his name. Good call. Um, yeah, and then have you had a, a particularly favorite gig along the way? Oh, yeah. Um, I think my favorite, my most favorite gig in the world was when I got to open for the Yardbirds at the Rose Theater in uh, Pasadena in uh, Los Angeles, California. That was so cool. So I was playing with a blues band and 
it was really cool because I, you know, I was wearing my Tina Turner dress and, you know, the, we were, our green room was in the fridge, like in a giant freezer. Um, <laughs> and it was so hot. <laughs> it was literally steaming, uh, steaming hot in the whole place. The air conditioner had broke and it was this huge, you know, the Rose Theater is this huge music venue. And uh, anyway, so Jim McCarty is the only original member of the Yardbirds. So anybody who doesn't know the Yardbirds, uh, that's like uh, Jimmy Page and, you know, Eric Clapton, like they all came out of that band, you know, all those guys. And so it was just really cool to open up for a band like that, even though there was only one original member, Jim McCarty, that dude, he's like, he was in his seventies and like, played for two hours nonstop. They did like two and a half hours. They didn't stop at all. Like, I think he was, he was like passed out in the couch in the green room after. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I was like, Hey, can we take a picture with you? And he was like, yes, of course. And he's like, didn't even, he was like, barely had, he was like sat up and we're on the <laughs> green room couch, you know, poor guy. And um, so I just kind of like, I said, I sat on his lap. I said, can I sit in here? <laughs> that was hilarious everybody started dying laughing and um so you know just taking these pictures and having fun and just it was such a great experience to um to just do it and be with the greats for a moment you know yeah yeah you know we didn't even talk about what what style of music you like to perform I mean you said a blues band right there but what is your when you're writing what style do you like to write in so I'm an, <laughs> I'm an alternative artist. I work in several different genres and I love crossing genres. So I guess I would call myself an alternative pop rock uh, adult contemporary artist. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. And, um, and I will ask you just a little bit more about your music in a moment. I just wanted to circle back on the sponsorships thing because um, I don't know that anyone else has really talked about that on the on the podcast here. So, um, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about how you brought that into your your world as a musician? Um, is that something that just kind of organically happened? Um, you were talking about a patron, you know, back in New York or something. Um, you know, how did that work out for you? Because that's something that I think a lot of musicians, you know, they, they need to have, but they don't know how to approach that. Well, that, see, that's interesting because I've always been pretty good at create, generating relationships, um, especially as a female. It's one of our things, you know, we're, we're social creatures. We, we're lovers yeah. of humans, you know, and it's sometimes a love-hate relationship for sure. But, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, having, having clear boundaries is great. Um, <laughs> and unfortunately, <laughs> that, that's the caveat of of um, having patrons, like if it's not clear and you're just kind of getting into it and you're like, oh, you know, someone wants to give you something and you say, oh, that's great. And then you don't know how to handle it business-wise. And that's kind of where where I was. And I was lucky enough that my patron was also the love of my life, you know? So uh, he was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna support you for a couple of years while you get yourself, 
you know, really do what it is that you want to do. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so I was, I, I mean, I worked my ass off. I was, you know, I was hustling. I was working all the time. So I didn't really have time to do much music. And as you know, in New York, you know, and then we kind of moved in together. So we, you know, our finances came together. So it's all about finding relationships that, you know, okay, you could say, yeah, well, she found this situation. So yeah. And I get it because yeah, well, I'm super lucky. And, and I, but I think I'm not the only lucky one, you know, I think when we, really align ourselves with people that are complementary to our skill set like i look at when i look at stockbrokers in the eye and like and i tell them what i do they light up in ways that i'm fairly certain they don't light up when they go to work you know right and that's our currency as musicians. <laughs> and so, you know, you get the doctors and the dentists and the stockbrokers and those are, the, you know, or the people that own shops or, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I, <laughs> you, I, it, I mean, it, you, you don't even know who could sponsor. It could be a, you know, adult toy shop. Like you just don't know who could sponsor your next tour right. and who's willing to sponsor your next tour. And if you're a rock band, you know, and you, you know, in that, like a hard rock band and an adult toy store might make sense for you. You know, it's right, like, right. you just, um, and so finding sponsorships that make sense for where you're at and what your brand is, is I think something that they should definitely teach at music schools as well about branding. Um, yeah. like right. you look at artists like, um, and, and even not having like a clear cut brand could still be a brand, right? Right. And so that's something that I learned about when I was doing a lot of marketing things as a brand ambassador and, um, you know, working as, you know, freelance art director. It's, you know, you start to see those things of how people can sell themselves with marketing and they're not even that phenomenal of an artist. And then they can align themselves with the brand that sponsors them. So it, it happens a lot. I mean, now they really want people who have raving fans. So that that's another thing that as an artist, you have to focus on as well. Like who are your fans? Because when you get sponsorships, they're going to want to know who your fans are, what their demographics are. And you should know those things before you align with a brand because you could have the contact, but those if you don't know what they want, you don't know what they need, you can't anticipate it, you're not going to look professional. And also putting something in a little PowerPoint with some pictures and things like that. I mean, if you can find, uh, if you have a friend who's a graphic artist or works in marketing, you know, you can even say, hey, I'll, I'll perform with my band for free at your, at your birthday party. You know, if, if you can put together a sponsorship presentation with me, help me out with that. You know, like there, you can, you've got currency. You've just got to figure out what it is, you know, that you're willing to trade for what skill set that you need in your life. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the point about just, um, you know, talking with, you know, a stockbroker or an attorney or something, you know, or a doctor, dentist, um, because, you know, I, not that those, that's like what you need to aim for, but I mean, just getting outside of your bubble. Um, as a musician, I think is something that a lot of us need to just be reminded of because it's so easy to um, stick to your music people uh, and and not really meet a lot of people outside of your circle because you're, you know, you're, you're touring, touring with them or you're, you know, you're supporting your friends and, and you want to do that. But then um, 
you're also not networking with people who could support you um, potentially. Um, if you're if you're always only around musicians, you know, they musicians are always in need of <laughs> right of that support. So, well, no, and that's great, too, because you you can all support each other as long as you're surrounding yourself with super supportive musicians, too. And right. I, I mean, it's so cool because like you see um, some of the best musicians, it's like once they find their pocket, someone who mentored them, it's like they, you constantly look out for each other. And I, that's what I love about, especially men in the, in the industry of music are, are, have been pretty good at it. Like a lot of the, f- the females that I meet aren't, per- they're not particularly forthcoming, but I, that has been changing. And I think it, especially in the past couple of years, it's because like, the, I think we're learning how to be business people. It's not because, yes. uh, you know, it, it's not because women are, are terrible people or they just don't look out for each other. No. And then there's sociopaths in every industry and there's sociopaths who are men in this industry. And it's a very male dominated industry in certain pockets of it. So it, we, and we are all learning how to, to work together as men and women too. So it's, it's a fascinating thing. Um, but going back to that, I, that wasn't for me dumping on women or dumping on men because I, I'm, I'm supported now and surrounded by so many amazing female artists and, and musicians. So in, including you, baby. So there yeah. we go. <laughs> right back at you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And uh, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, and support comes in all forms. It's, you know, from anything from, you know, watching each other's shows, going to, you know, showing up for them to, to the monetary support to, yeah. you know, all but, but you're uh, oh back to your question. That's it's absolutely right that I've I've always been just because I'm a very curious person. I'm always around different types of people. I mean I I do medical research. I I I meet people in the personal growth world. So I'm constantly meeting other people, and I find that that's part of who I am. So, but when I do my music, I find that they're, it's also because people are fascinated by it and they love, and you need lovers of music as uh, people who, who don't just do it, but also people who are raving fans and, and those people who you, what you do changes their life. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And, and that's, I've really come to, I just had a conversation the other day with a, a civil rights attorney and, and I started crying because I had a moment where he said, what you do is just as important as what I do because you can reach more people. It's better, it's better than even changing a law because yeah. you are changing people's hearts. You are like influencing people's lives. And, and that was I don't think as musicians, we realize the power and the value of that when we do what we do so well. And it just, and and people, when I send them my link, you know, I wasn't even thinking anything. I just sometimes, ah, here, here's my link, you know? And they're like, wow, you have an amazing voice. Your music is so powerful. And, you know, sometimes you send it to other musicians and they're like, wow, that's really good. You know, right? And it, you know, that, you know, and it's fine. It's fine. You don't expect the the response to you know to everything, but so, you know, you need to be surrounded by people who appreciate what you do. Whether it's your your if it's not your family, fine. You find another. You find a music family, and then if it's not the music family, then you find uh, your your patrons and your your people who love what you do, and they just want you to perform at their wedding or you know sing a song, whatever that is. You know. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, and speaking of which, can you tell us where to find you? Um, what is your website? Uh, so you can find me pretty much everywhere at <laughs> April Henry Music. That's my ubiquitous handle. Um, I, I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Smart. You, you can tell you've done some branding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was lucky. I had somebody who told me early on, they're like, make it ubiquitous. And I was like, what is ubiquitous? <laughs> uh, and, uh, and they said, it means across all platforms, just make it all invasive that everyone can find you, knows what your branding is across all things. And I said, that's really smart. Thank you for that. And this was someone who was, you know, working at a, you know, a TV station, they were working with, you know, Google, working with a, and see, this is the thing is like, you can work with people in media who don't necessarily just do music, but they know they use music, you know, and that's uh hello, that's a great thing to meet with music supervisors and things like that too. So um, yeah. So working with people in media is super great. Um, but yeah, back to that ubiquitous, um, it's really important for people to be able to find you. So yeah. yeah remember and that. metadata, get your metadata. I'm just doing that now. I'm like, Oh my God. Metadata land. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's yeah. very, very cool. Yeah. Good, good information. And then, uh, last question. Then, then we, I, I have to get running here, but, um, tell us about the song that you picked to, to play here. I am okay. I'm in the midst of creating an EP of music that is not going to be featured here yet because it's not ready yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, this song, Symphony of Me, is um, and it's completely different from the stuff that I'm producing now. But I think that's really cool actually to look back. And I, I really like the track. It's called Symphony of Me, and it was way like way before all of this uh craziness with the you know covid and like basically living inside of our you know computer was happening but i uh, opened up the music video if you check it out on youtube uh youtube.com slash april henry music you can find it there um i really love the the video because it's this retro futuristic thing that no matter how futuristic we get there's still some part of us that's like a, a retro you know a, a retronaut and we're repeating patterns from the past. So there's a bit of classic, a bit of future and commentary, social commentary about it. So I'll, I'll let that just be what it is and uh, let people come up with their own ideas of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, looking forward to it. Thank you, April Henry, for, for being our guest today. I really appreciate it. It's always great to talk with you. So oh, thank thanks you. so much. You're, you're a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> I look forward to following what you, what happens and, and what's going on for you next. Thank you. So, Bye. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you to Susanna Gossett of Brilliant360 Coaching for being a wonderful patron of ours. We appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again.